G'day punters and welcome to Tabs Inside 50. What an all-star lineup we've got this week. Between us, 610 AFL games, four premierships, two brown lows and the best set of hair you'll ever see. Shane Crawford, Jimmy Bartell and yours truly, Nick Quinn. Hello, lads. Jimmy Bartell, three premierships. I didn't realise that. Well done, you greedy man. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Crawford. You got the one over me, the 2008 grand final where your Hawks were far too good, but... Um, he, he has a go at us about good hair. This man has had a cut and colour for the occasion. Mate, and it looks like a new wig. It's fantastic. <laughs> no, well, with footy royalty, I've got to look the part because it's the only thing I bring to the table here. <laughs> it's been a unique 2020 AFL season. Today we're going to talk about some of the games from last week and hopefully find a winner going forward as well. And I dare say one of the most unique things I've ever seen on the footy field happened last week when Geelong was up against Carlton. This is Dwayne Russell calling the Radicalia incident. He's launched it, and it's long, and it's... Well, Radical might have punched that back into the field of play. That might have been a goal had he not touched it. That's and it good. rolls back out. This is extraordinary. Levi, Reece, oh, my goodness. So for those that can't quite picture what happened, Geelong was about to get a goal, and one of their own players leapt up and punched the ball back into play. Jimmy, what on earth was he doing? Yeah, he got that one wrong. Um, look, I... I'm trying to put myself in uh, bigger Sava shoes. I think he thought um, the the player would, would go up with him, the Carlton player. I think he thought they were going to be all leaping at the line, but no one did. And the only thing uh, that confused me, and it's a frustration of mine, Shane, is when a player goes to spoil with the double fist, why don't you just turn your hands around and mark it? Especially a big ruckman like him and a forward, key forward. And you could hear Jason Dunstall on the on the coverage, just going, what on earth? And he thinks we should eliminate Ruckman altogether. <laughs> so that was definitely a brain fade, which happens quite a bit, Quinny. Now, you played under some great coaches, the two of you. Croft, how would Alistair Clarkson have handled that? What would he have said to Radagalia? Uh, it wouldn't have been pretty. <laughs> um, one thing that Clarko does really well, like uh, rather than sending the runner out to you, you'll come straight off. So he'll bring you straight off. And he'll give you a blast and tell you exactly what's going on. So you don't have to think about it too much. You virtually get the feedback straight away. And that's very different to a lot of the other coaches. They might send a runner or they might talk to him at three-quarter time or at the end of a match. But uh, no, you normally with him, you'll get a message straight away and you know exactly where you stand. Jimmy, what would Bobber Thompson have done? Well, firstly, uh, he, he would have left it and then you would have built it up. And then on Monday, he, you would have walked past his office and he would have given you the, just come into my office for a second and have a look at this. And he... After he would have torn shreds through you, the, the good thing about Bomber, he, he was good at making light of the situation to build you back up. So the next main training session, as it finished, he'd blow the whistle and go, hang on, we've just got to do one thing first. And he'd send you down to the goal line <laughs> and he'd kick the ball in and he'd make you either mark it or pretend to shepherd it with no one around. He goes, right, you got it? And then everyone would have a bit of a laugh and that'd be the end of it. I like it. You say it's having a laugh, but is it subconsciously just getting the player to do the right thing as well? Or is it more just a piss take? Yeah, I think more of a piss take. I think that's how you've got to treat it, especially a young player too. You don't want him going into this week, you know, hung up on it. What will I do? Because he is a big jumping Ruckman, and I know Ruckman are a bit slow to process things. So I think you've got to fill him back up with some confidence. And what about Chris Scott, a man that's not renowned for his sense of humour? How would he have handled it? Uh, Look, I think he would have allowed his assistant coaches to handle it. Chris Scott's a bit more of a the delegator style, which um, a, a lot of the new age coaches are. He would have found the coach who's closest with the sovereign and just said, look, maybe next time, uh, look for a bit of body or, or mark the thing. Now, I think we can put it down to a footy brain fart. I think mm. that's the best way to describe it. And 
The biggest footy brain fart I've seen was in the 1995 prelim final between Richmond and Geelong. Now, the Cats at this stage were about 100 points up, so it didn't matter. <laughs> and Michael Gale, the long-haired tiger from Fitzroy, went into the middle to try and fire him up. And he got the ball, which was great. And then he booted it 50 metres the wrong <laughs> way. And I think that just summed up Richmond's day. It's happened a lot with midfielders, though. Because like, when you look at the game of Aussie Rules football, it's all about the midfield. They're the ones that put on the show. They do all the grunt work. They make the forwards look really good. They help the defence like a team defence. So you can understand a midfielder getting it wrong every now and then. Is that something you've done? Is it, Shane? Uh, well, in the little league, yeah, I did. <laughs> yep. But, um, no, you, you can at times, especially if you've got players coming at you, you can feel like, oh, did I go the right way or did I, what did I do with that handball? But mainly Ruckman are facing the way you want to go. So there's no excuse for any Ruckman to get it wrong. They should be getting everything right, whereas midfielders, I'd give a little bit of leeway there. Oh, of course you would, having <laughs> been a champion midfielder yourself. Jimmy, what's a time when you were playing with or against someone that had something that can best be described as a brain fart? Well, mine was before the game, and it was a really interesting situation to end up playing out. Is James Kelly, a teammate of mine I played a lot of footy with, um, he, he's a little bit shorter than I, about six foot, as they say in the old, but... James had these abnormal size feet. He had size 15 and a half. For a six-foot guy, it's massive. They look like Ronald McDonald shoes. But uh, because James early in his career suffered a broken leg, he liked to do all his training and warm-ups in runners and only wear his boots for the two hours on the weekend. This is the famous Nick Davis game in Sydney, who kicked four goals in the last. So we're up there at the SCG. We're doing that first warm-up that happens. James Kelly's in his sand shoes. And a little bit of a background is Nathan Ablett was picked to play the game, but went up to Bomber Thompson and said, I don't think I'll play today. Just decided he ruled himself out. <laughs> so we were scrambling around, finding the emergency. We're doing the warm-up, things like that. James Kelly's out and their runners. Nathan Ablett has taken off. Bomber gives his final address. You're about to go out and play in a semi-final against the Swans at the SCG. James Kelly's starting to panic. Where are my footy boots? They've gone missing. He's like, can't look. Can't find them, can't find them. Everyone's looking around. He's going, this is a joke. Someone's stolen my boots. One of the trainers goes, I think I saw Nathan Ablett with them. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, oh, he was holding him up and he was looking at him, admiring him. They couldn't find him, couldn't find him. Get him finally get him on the phone. They go, where are you, Nathan? And instead of sitting in the players' area, he'd gone and found himself a spot in, in the old stand there at the SCG by himself, got himself a Mars bar, and he liked James Kelly's football boots so much that he put them on to watch the game. So he was wearing James <laughs> Kelly's football boots. In size, the stands. In the stands, <laughs> size 15s, and they're like, we need you to rush down. And we had James teed up for a roll, but we had to swap him to the bench to start the game while Nathan made his way down through the, the crowd behind the bench, take the boots off, no. and hand them to James Kelly. Who wears <laughs> football boots in the stands? <laughs> this is bizarre on so many levels. <laughs> How close was Geelong to losing patience with Nathan Ablett, considering he just ruled himself out of that game? He's done that. And fortunately, the story had a very happy ending in him playing in that drought-breaking premiership, but he was a unique cut. He was unique, but there's always a little, a little bit more patience and a little bit more leeway for talented players, and he certainly uh, returned it in... Uh, in a big way in 2007. Well, that's an absolute ripper. What about yourself, Crawford? Have you played with or against someone who's done something that just left you scratching your head oh, like that? No, we mentioned Ruckman before, but normally sort of centre stoppages, you know, you virtually go off the clock, you know, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, all the way around to 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. So uh, there was a lot of miscommunication. You virtually huddle in and go, okay, uh, you know, it might be uh, Sean Wren, great Ruckman, spider effort, <laughs> beautiful Ruckman. But sometimes I can understand you get a bit fatigued and you forget the clock. 
not not the midfielders, but uh, sometimes the <laughs> ruckmen. And so you go, okay, go to two o'clock, go to two o'clock, hold your opponent out. I'm going to come into that space. Yep, okay. Bang, up, up, off you go. Everyone heads towards two o'clock. Everyone creates a bit of space. And then they, he hits it to nine o'clock. And you're like, what's going on? Oh, sorry, got my numbers mixed up. I'm like, are you serious? But uh, those Melbourne games, when Etihad Stadium came on board and, and we our home ground was the MCG, we did have players, um, you know, Ben Dixon led the charge there. He'd, he'd rock up to the MCG and go, what, are we on today or tomorrow? What's going on? And then work out, hang on, we're at the wrong ground. So that happened a few times, but um, there's always, you know, I think it's pressure, pressure of playing AFL football. Does funny things to people. I went to Moody Valley one day. I was supposed to go to Flemington. That's as close as <laughs> I've come to doing that. No, that, that happens. That happens. And I, I don't want to bring up um, last week, but um, you do owe me a meal. I do. And um, What's and happening? Do I get to choose you where do? we go for that meal? Unfortunately, cool. that was the, de- the deal. We get a restaurant of the other person's choice. So it was Richmond up against Hawthorne was our bet. Uh, you're a Richmond supporter now. You've, you're Port Adelaide, you're Melbourne. Now oh, you're he on doesn't the top. jump, does he? Uh, he's a... A no, big jumper. surely not. I just appreciate greatness, and I can enjoy the teams that are playing in the you, moment. You jump on board a team that's winning. Look, yeah. it's is important it when you're at the races to really pull the coattails of those people that are going well, and sometimes that leads me to stray down different clubs <laughs> from time to time. That's disappointing, Quinny. <laughs> if that's true, that is extremely hang on, hang on. disappointing. Coming from you, are you Geelong or GWS this week? Because you wouldn't want to be either after the weekend. No, I'll, I'll, I'll be uh, following both of my sides. <laughs> That's just what he clipped me for doing. Oh, I've had an involvement in both those sides. You, you just you just hop around to whoever's winning. And we do want to talk about your Giants as well because they are, I'm not going to say under the mi- under the microscope. Yes, but I they think are. They're a, under the microscope. They're they under a lot of pressure. They're one and three. What, one and two? Yep. It could be one and three. They're up against the Pies, who are probably the best side going around at the moment. It needs to be... Bl- Play between the ears this week with the Giants. And we saw last week that the dogs and the, the Hawks, the Blues, you could see mentally they were really focused and they were aggressive. So we need to see that from the Giants. You reckon we'll see that this week? I, I hope so, Shane. Uh, look, I, I think that's the story of this year. Of course, there, you know, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit for excuses for players and clubs. You know, hubs, uh, rules, shortened quarters, um, COVID testing, all, all the sort of stuff. You, you can find excuses if you want, but... The, the sides have come switched on, and you can see it almost in the first 10 minutes of games. You go, this team's going to be hard to beat. And, and you mentioned a couple of those sides. Uh, Carlton and Hawthorne last week were fantastic. And the Giants, look, they, they tried to take the physical nature up to the Bulldogs, but the Bulldogs held firm. They've been under a lot of pressure themselves, uh, not standing up for themselves or, or being hard and tough at the football. But um, a number of the, the younger Doggies players probably led the way. Um, Bailey Smith was one of them, but... Uh, you're right. It's for the Giants between the years. We we know they've got the talent, and they'll get some more talent back into that that side this week with a couple of guys who are late withdrawals, and and Lockie Whitfield should be fine to play. So, um, yeah, it, it's a really important game because you, you drop another one in in such a shortened season, it, it could be over pretty quickly. I'm going to make a bit of an excuse for the Giants, though. They did have a fair few injury problems last week. Josh Kelly are laid out. Lockie Whitfield goes down early. The two best midfielders in the team. How can much of a domino effect can that have on everything else that they intend on doing come game time? Oh, look, I think it affects your, your structure, Quinny, but I don't think that was the reason why they lost. I think you've got to give credit to the Doggies. Um, their first quarter was fantastic. They were, physical, they were clean over the ball. And we see now in, in footy, if you fumble the football, it's it's over because just the way the defences play, they just swarm on top of you. And, 
yeah, the Giants are a bit fumbly. They probably just quick-kicked it out of contest a little bit too quickly into trying to work their way through it. So, look, I get you can add some talent and the knock-on effect, what that does for other players, but I'm not sure that was the reason why they lost against the Dogs. I won't ask you to tip on the game because you are involved. <laughs> Do you think Collingwood will get the job done or can the Giants bounce uh, back? I think because football this year... <laughs> more than ever has played, um, you know, between the years. So I think the Giants can fight back. I'm worried they had three goal kickers last week. They, I think they kicked four. And then the week before, they might have had four or five goal kickers for the match. So you just wonder, okay, what's going on there? But I think, yeah, some good players coming back in. I think they'll be up early. Um, they're going to have to be because Collingwood are really balanced right across the field. Um, I, I think they can. I think they can cause an upset. Um, am I confident? Not really, no. But it wouldn't surprise me if they cause an upset. Wouldn't surprise you. And I think that's got to be a theme of the season to date, really, because with these shortened quarters, if a team comes out and starts well and does everything right, and we did see Carlton do it against Geelong on the weekend, it is hard to make up time and make up ground in shorter games. Yeah, and you look at most people's footy tips last week, they'd be lying if they said they got all eight because we didn't have that one of the one of those games. But it was away teams, Carlton going down to uh, Geelong for the first time mm. in ever and, and win. Geelong's got like a 90% winning rate down there. It's yeah, Shane's absolutely right. It's mentally being switched on and it's the intensity and that urgency playing with it. I think the unique nature of way sides are having to train, you can't play the way you train because they can only really do skill-based training, a physical training sort of taken out of it. Now... We're going to talk about them in just a second, but there's been a few teams that haven't started well. The Bulldogs this time last week were under the microscope, and now all of a sudden things are looking rosy for them. They've got a big game this week, though, against the Sydney Swans Thursday night. What do you make of the Bulldogs? Uh, look, if the Bulldogs play like they did last weekend, they'll be tough to, to beat. And that game's up at the SCG, isn't it? So um, I actually think the Swans have built a side that doesn't suit the SCG. You, you have yeah. a look at their forward line. They went and got Gray... Sam Gray from uh, Port Adelaide, Louis Taylor from Brisbane. You had Papley. Heaney's not overly tall. So they've got like five smalls, even Haywood, and then McCartan's the one tall. On that tight little SCG, I don't think it suits them. So when they come and play here at Marvel Stadium, they're all allowed to move, get a bit of space, and be creative. So I actually think the ground will suit the Bulldogs more than it does the Swans. Do you think the Bulldogs will make it back-to-back wins? Yeah, I think the Bulldogs can cause an upset. Uh, I know the Swans are favourites. You're very low on the Swans, aren't you? Well, I just think the Swans are they're a really good competitive team. I just don't think think they'll make the top eight. Yep. And I'm happy to, you know, challenge them every week. Last week they were very good against North Melbourne. But if I had known Ben Cunnington comes out of that side, I look at it completely different because I just think he's one of the best contested players going around. But, um, yeah, I just think the Bulldogs are a better list. Uh, then the Swans, McCartan comes out, who's a really, he's a worker, and I think um, he's going to be really missed because he, he does a, a lot of unrewarded running and creates a lot of space. Um, and I think they've got good matchups for their small. So I'm happy to be with the Dogs. I think they can go two in a row. I have been well back this morning. He's 225 initially, one bet of 11,500 on them at that quote. On the Swans? That's right. Really? So, now we're about to take a listen to some audio from Mark Rusciuto. Things going from bad to worse at Adelaide at the moment. And it is amazing to think that just back in 2017, there were three goals up to start a grand final and now they couldn't beat an egg. And that midfield that was basically, the rest of the competition was in awe of the way they won it each week. Crouch, Crouch and Sloan. Now all of a sudden teams are just going by them like they're not there. 
Jake Lever, mm-hmm. got a five-year deal on eight hundred to eight hundred and fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. Very comfortable that we let him go on that money. Um, he's probably a five hundred thousand dollar player. Uh, Mitch McGovern, comfortable that he go. He he's got what we want. We love people that contest in the forward line and got plenty of speed, and we and we need speed in the forward line. But once again, eight hundred and something thousand. Has he delivered for Carlton yet? No. No. Alex Keith got offered a, a massive amount of money to go uh, to Western Bulldogs, like a large amount of money, more than double that what he was on Adelaide. Look, they're the facts. Irrespective of whether you agree or disagree with those comments, Jimmy, what is the upside in him going public with that? Yeah, look, I, I can sort of see where Mark Rusciuto was coming from. Look, he was trying to defend his club, which is under siege. They're still under siege from not only the COVID camp, but the previous infamous camp. Um, a lot of people keep coming at the Crows about, well, why do you have so many quality players leaving? And I think he was just trying to, it was a little bit clumsy by listing figures and numbers, but he was trying to, I think he was trying to defend his club saying, well, we've kept all the right people that we've wanted to keep and um, on the right price. And I think he was trying to get to a point going, well, we tried to do the right thing for the Crows long term, but it didn't come out that way. And as a football director and being a proud Crows man, he probably just would have thought, I'm under siege and I've got to start sticking up for my club. Crawford, is there a touch of he's not used to things going wrong because he was such a champion player, he's revered in Adelaide. Did he probably just think, oh, well, I'll explain what happened and then everyone will sort of agree and understand and now there's been another wave of attack? Yeah, and you, do, you don't want to overpay players either, you know, you don't, especially if players and managers, if you think they're being greedy and trying to push a bit too far... You've got to make the hard call. So we don't know those conversations. But, um, you know, you just look, look at Charlie Cameron. I, I couldn't believe that, you know, like Charlie Cameron would leave because he was such an important player. Him and Eddie Betts, and I know Eddie Betts is towards the end of his career, but forward pocket, and hopefully Jimmy backs me up on this, forward pocket is the toughest position to play, especially when the side's not doing so well. And we were lucky because we could drift up the field. But whenever you play forward pocket and the ball movement's slow and the opposition are good – you got to get out of there. So for Eddie Betts still to have an influence, still to play well, you know, um, on a fairly consistent basis, and then Charlie Cameron, who's probably the best small in the game at the moment, you know, to leave, they're massive holes uh, all of a sudden from a goal-kicking point of view. And then Sam Jacobs, who's now the Giants, I, th- I always rated him as a, a ruckman, and they said, yes, we've got a young ruckman coming through. So you understand decisions like that, but, um, you know, even Greenwood, you know, he does a lot of tough work. I think they look slow. I think the Crouch brothers and Sloan, and I just think they they look very sluggish through the middle, which is which is so crucial these days. You've got to have that balance right. You still can have those contested balls, but you've got to have great mix around and from the wings, the half forwards, even on ballers. You've got to have guys who can break lines, create a bit of space, and um, you know, and really link up well. What has changed from when they made the grand final just two years ago? Well, Crawford was touching on it there. It's the personnel which which makes a huge difference. And I, I know that midfield crouch, crouch, Sloan was so effective for them, but even with the rule changes, so every centre bounce, I remember playing against that midfield, they could have Betts and Cameron or a quick type come off the back of the square. So every centre bounce, they had one of these really quick types run through the centre, which allowed them to attack and, and see, get forward or get on their bike, whatever way you want to put it, and be a lot more aggressive around the stoppages, now that it's just those three, they all sort of just plant themselves in, which is great. You need those sort of players, but they haven't been able to fill around the outside of them. So, 
you know, Seedsman's probably one who has to play a little bit more. Um, Brody Smith probably has to come up and play around the ball up near the midfield just to give him a point of difference to take the game forward because Crouch, Crouch and Sloan can get a truckload of the footy, but they don't go forward with it, which then, you know, Tom Lynch, who's that one who connects them up, he's not getting on, you know, getting the ball up around near the logos, which then starves the rest of their forward line. So they're all, they've built a side which is so connected with each other but they've just lost the personnel that, that helps them do that. And, and what do you and, see? And Quinny, with that, I know, and, and I always keep going back to Hawthorne, but Alistair Clarkson, he, he became aware of um, having too many sort of contested type players around a set of bounds, which is quite unusual, you know, and a different way of thinking about it. But he would never have a Luke Hodge, a Sam Mitchell and a Brad Sewell all in at once or a Jordan Lewis all at once. He said, no, we need – someone who can really take off and, you know, so Brad Hill, you go and push in there or or that's why, you know, they wanted someone like Tom Scully coming in just to create a bit of run or Isaac Smith. So that balance more than ever, especially over the last four or five years, is so important. And at the moment, I just don't think, I just don't think Adelaide have got it. Um, not only that, their senior players aren't performing anywhere near where you need them to. You need your senior players just really putting the pressure on, leading from the front. And at the moment, it seems like the younger players are contributing more, which which is it's, it's alarming signs because do you keep going with those senior-type players or do you bring younger players in and go, do you know what? We're going to win the wooden spoon for the first time ever. We've got to cop it. I've got to play some young kids. They've got to get some exposure. They're probably going to get beaten. But we need to find out if they can play. Yeah, and so and the tough, tough bit about that is Matthew Nix. He's only like three games into his coaching career, and you can understand him going with you know the war horses, which have done so well for Adelaide, and uh, I admire him for for doing that. He's still respecting the players that have been so good for Adelaide, but yeah, he's got to quickly, as Shane saying, do we put Chase Jones and some of these young, quicker types, uh, Ned McHenry, who plays forward, just give him five minutes on the ball to to mix it up because. Even Sloan will, will have a crack and he'll follow up and defend, but the Crouch boys don't defend either. So if they're not winning at all and they're not giving you anything, they're getting absolutely killed on, on the counter-attack. With Tex Walker, it's, it's going to be a big call because there's pressure on there. That he's not contributing like we know he can. He's been a, a fantastic player for the Adelaide Crows. So from Matty Nix's point of view, he'll have a lot of sleepless nights thinking, okay, do I make a statement right now? And the best statement you can possibly make is dropping one of your most senior type players. The message can go through everyone straight away, especially those young kids coming through, and even the older ones. Okay, everyone's on the table. There's no safe places here. But the problem is, when you start losing and losing like they are, everyone becomes really protective of their space and trying to contribute. And you don't necessarily go into a team mentality. So that becomes a bit of a coaching masterclass if you can somehow get them to all start thinking about each other when I can guarantee you, oh, I've been there, you don't. You're just thinking about, oh, I've just got to keep going, keep buttering up, you know, keep, you know, putting your hand up to, you know, put your head over the ball and, and get it on. But the team mentality really goes out of it quickly. How hard is it going to be for them this week, not just facing Brisbane, one of the premiership fancies, but having a week where they were just basically uncompetitive against the Gold Coast, they're away from home. How hard is the morale going to be to keep up? Yeah, it could work one or two ways. The fact that you are away from Adelaide and it's just just your team and, you know, you can bunker down. And so it could be a real positive for them being all together and just, you know, it's only us at the 22, you know, as they say, oh, it's just us, we're all in it, 22 and the coaches. 
or it could go the other way and could get really ugly for them. But, you know, they've even had um, senior players saying, we've never been less competitive in our time. So this, this is going to be a really difficult challenge for the Adelaide Crows. But you can also find some players. So out mm. of this, you can find which young players really want to put their hand up. Okay, yeah, he's got a bit of go at him. And if I'm coaching Adelaide this week, I'm making Charlie Cameron go up, play around the ball for five minutes, you know. Zorko, get up around the ball a bit more. Um, we know he plays around the ball, but he can sneak forward a lot. Lockie Neal. So they've got the wrong side to play this week when they're on the real rebound. Croft put away the board games. The AFL is back. And so is the Tab Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets all in the one bet. Available online for every AFL game this season to Victoria, New South Wales and ACT Tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Gamblers help 1800 858 858. A couple of big games coming up on Sunday. Brisbane up against Adelaide. The Lions all the rays to win that one. Then we have Melbourne v Geelong and Hawthorne up against North Melbourne. Now a fortnight ago, Geelong absolutely dismantled Hawthorne and master coach Alistair Clarkson, he had this to say following that game. We lowered our colours to a good side last week, but I hope I'm not discrediting Geelong by saying that, but they're not that good. Uh, We were just terribly poor and um, we expected a response and we got one. Croft, what would have been going through Clarko's head when he said that? Oh, no, he would have just been disappointed with what they produced last week. So uh, against Geelong, I thought half-time, okay, they'll get going and away they go and, you know, they're good enough to win. But they just didn't work for each other, which was unusual. So I was expecting a response against Richmond, um, you know, to win like they did. No, you weren't expecting that. But proud coach, I just know (laughs) the environment that week would have been, everyone on eggshells. Um, so you're always going to get a response, but they've got to back it up this week against North Melbourne, which North Melbourne are a good side. They had a down week last week, but they're going well, so I reckon it's going to be a, a very close match. Jimmy, how would you have felt if you were still wearing the cat's hoops and you heard those comments? Oh, Look, uh, when you hear the, the entirety of the comments, they're, they're fine and they're spot on, and this is the, the beauty of the, the media landscape. You can cut up quotes to, to change the context. The, the one line sounds really bad, like he's being disrespectful to the cats, but in its entirety... I 100% agree with him. He, the point, the, what I took out of it, he, the point he was making is we, we couldn't have made the Cats look any better. The, we played so poorly that we, we made them look unbelievable and we, we're not that bad. So it doesn't mean the Cats are that good. So that's how I, I sort of took it. And he was right. He, the, the Cats were all over him when they played. They won every single you know, category, contested, uncontested. They smashed them around the stoppages. But the Hawks, like they always do under Alistair Clarkson and Shane knows better, they respond. And they're a well-organised unit. And they were one side, I thought, after all this COVID shutdown, had gone from you know challenging the bottom part of the eight, I still thought they were a final side, to really coming up the ladder because you know better than anyone else, Croft, he, his sides are organised, they're disciplined. And if you, play, if you play, don't play your role, you're out. And he finds someone pretty quickly to play that role. So the, the response was expected from a... Uh, against the Tigers. Now, what do you make of Geelong? Because they were so good against Hawthorne, and then they had the banana skin result last week against Carlton, <laughs> where the first 
three quarters of the game, they were so slow and they were so boring, and then they decided to play attacking yeah. footy. You and obviously they... had them in your multi, Quinny. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell how disappointed they were, you are. They were too short to put in the multi. <laughs> yeah. So fortunately, Not I didn't for get you. stung. But when they play like that, they are, in my opinion, the most scintillating team in the comp. Why don't we see it more, and why does it take them to be six goals down for them to start attacking? Yeah, Quinny, I, I, I share your frustration. And look, Geelong and Chris Scott are probably – turn around and go, last year we were number one and number two at, at attack and defence and what we do gets us into finals, but they haven't been able to win finals. So they've won the odd final here and there, but they fall down at the MCG and things like that. But I'm with you. That's my frustration with Geelong. And you hear Matthew Scarlett, who's their defensive mastermind down there, saying we defend with the ball. Now, sometimes they, I think they go too far doing that and it invites pressure from the opposition. They go too slow and I'm with you. When you look forward to the ball and you've got Hawkins, who's almost unbeatable in one-on-ones, Rowan's got speed, Narkle, uh, Myers, Parfit, all with some excitement. And that's without even talking about Dangerfield and Ablett going forward. Rowan and Del- uh, yeah, Delhouse. Yeah. So, so we just rattle off names who attacking uh, are unbelievable. You, you just want to play a little bit quicker once they turn it over instead of just always going slow and slow, which invites the opposition. But... They're probably pretty comfortable with that because their counter is, oh, look, we get ourselves in the top two, top four year in, year out. Are you confident they'll bounce back and beat Melbourne this Sunday? Well, was it what was that stat? Was it round 12 or 16 last year? Win, loss, win, loss. What are we up to? We're up to a win. Mm-hmm. So history would say it'd be a win. Do you think they'll get the win? I do. I, they do respond well, much like uh, Clarko's Hawks. The Cats are, are pretty well drilled and well organised and would be walking on eggshells a bit, and they do respond well. The Kangaroos have been one of the surprise packets this season. Are you worried they'll give your Hawks a good nudge on Sunday? I think they will, yeah, definitely. With Cunnington coming back in, Higgins had a quiet game last week. Um, Hewitt did a good job following him around. Um, Hawthorne won't go the real tight squeeze. I'll sort of do a defensive um, midfield, you know, pressure and everyone sort of in helping each other. But, yeah, I I think they can definitely give them a run. I think this is, uh, you know, they're coming off, they're on the rebound, the Hawks, the pressure be on to continue on their form. So I, I do think it's a bit of a flip of the coin. Croft, I know one man doesn't make a side, but Omira back in, mm. the, the Hawks look completely different. Like Isaac Smith runs with a bit more confidence around the stoppages. He's, and the team looks better because yeah. he's a beautiful man. Yeah, he's stunning. Um, <laughs> but no, he, well, that's it. He's We know he's a bull, but he can really get out into space, you know, and, and um, yeah, it was good to have him back. But... You know, you could see Mitchell looked better through the middle and, and, you know, Scully was working his way into the game and Smith was on fire, you know, running everywhere. So, yeah, it's, it's a different looking side. I, I just – my only worry at times is that if the opposition go with a real fast forward line, um, I think that hurts Hawthorne a bit because I just don't think we've got the defence to take a lot of, you know, really scary smalls. So someone like a Brisbane when you've got Charlie Cameron zipping around and – someone like a Zorko who can pop in there, I think that becomes a bit of a danger. But North Melbourne have got a couple of tools. I, I just think they're a pretty well-balanced side. They've got some good young kids coming through and um, it's not necessarily focused on one or two to shut out of the game. So I, I really do think uh, whoever's going to win this game, you'll thoroughly deserve it and they're going to definitely make the top eight. 
Now we're going to finish by taking a look at the Brownlow medal because only the absolute elite win the Brownlow. There's no denying That's that. very true. And this year it's probably going to be a little more challenging than most to find the winner. Patrick Cripps and Lockie Neal currently $6 joint favourites. Nat Fiver $7 second elite. Patrick Dangerfield 9 and Travis Boak has been 26 into 13. Side bottom there or Pendlebury? Well, Pendlebury they'll, they'll like. definitely be there. Side bottom's a $21 chance and Pendlebury 34. If it was stopped right now, I reckon... Boak and Pendlebury would be joint winners. Boak, Pendlebury, and Matt Rowe, second. <laughs> he would be. He's no, just, no, I, I he's agree. He's got two like, clear best on grounds. And kicks goals. And kicks a goals. midfielder kicking goals and he's is red, quite incredible. Red's the new peroxide of blonde. <laughs> that, yeah, that is. Yeah, that's the trend. He's yeah. been so very exciting. He's a $21 there's, chance. There's one you need to throw in there, and it's a Hawthorne player called Chad Wingard. I think round one, he was probably best on ground um, against the Tigers, he was the he was definitely in the best couple, um, just with his ball use and, and what he can do every time he gets it. And it, he's starting to play a lot more through the middle. So I think he's a hundred to one. I think he's way over the odds because you know Tom Mitchell's not ready to get those votes. O'Meara probably fights with him at times for votes, but apart from that, I don't think anyone else is going to. Take him off him. I like it because Crawford just proved you never ask a question you don't know the answer to. When he said, what odds is he? And before I'd looked it up, he said he's 100 to 1, going to show that he's invested. <laughs> I asked Wingard the odds. No, I asked not about the Collingwood. But so Wingard's 100 to 1. So, well, I'll tell you what. I just took a guess. He'd have to be about Why 100 not? to 1. And Pendlebury, I mean, it's yeah. the only thing missing from his footy CV. And he deserves a brown low, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get one. But he just keeps racking up the footy and teams continue to let him go. Yeah, because they've got so much talent through midfield and forward that you, you can't tag them all. And um, I know Steel Sidebottom, Shane, you, you're a big fan of, and, and so am I. And, and he hurts and damages you. So you go, well, do we go sit on Steel Sidebottom and take that away from Collingwood? And Scott Pendlebury's a hard man to tag. He's big, he's physical. And he's just so smart. So if you play him really tight in a contest, he goes back to halfback and starts just racking him up there. So you guys, are the, well, the Giants are playing him this week. So you've got Sidebottom and Pendlebury. So you just double team him. Go bugger it. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go pretty negative on these two and wipe them out of the game. Yeah, well, uh, last year's final, uh, Matt DeBoer, who did a fantastic job tagging the opposition's best, he, he picked up steel Sidebottom in the final. So they had a fair bit of success with that. So I imagine that would probably be... His first one with Pendlebury, you know, doing some homework on him. So maybe, Quinny, that's your betting option this week, is side bottom not to get over 20 possessions. Side bottom unders, Pendlebury unders. overs. Possibly. But then if he starts to get off the chain, you know he's going to get locked down. So maybe both unders of the average, whatever the average is for them. Life's too short to back the unders. <laughs> we should know that in life. Come on, Quinny. Well, if we're going to finish with a bang, what is your best bet for round four? Oh, it's too hard. Oh, it's too hard. No, come I'm, on, Splinters. I'm get gonna back, I just, I'm going to back the Blues against the Bombers. Unusual preparation for the Bombers. A lot of uncertainty. Haven't been training a lot together this week. And I think the Blues have played probably more consistent football uh, than a lot of other sides. They've won three quarters here, three quarters here, three quarters against Geelong. I think that might be good enough to get them their second win. But I'll tell you what, it'll be the edge of the, edge of the seat stuff. Jimmy, give us a prediction on what a headline for Monday will be. Jeez, hopefully it's nothing to do with COVID at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully it's nothing to do with uh, Connor McKenna has a false negative into yeah. a false positive. <laughs> uh, anything like that. Yep. Oh, it's tough to do, but I'll go Cats in massive win against Dees. Oh, a massive win. Massive. I just think they'll respond. They'll play with a bit more speed. 
And it's more, it's not so much a, a knock on the D's, but again, the layoff, one game, missed a game. They've had one game. They ga- had their intra club last week. <laughs> they've had one game in 90 days, the D's. Yeah. And the Cats, they will come out hard. Gents, it's been an absolute pleasure. Can't wait to do it again. You've been listening to Tabs Inside 50. Croft put away the board games, the AFL is back. And so is the Tab Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets all in the one bet. Available online for every AFL game this season to Victoria, New South Wales and ACT Tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Gamblers help 1-800-858-858.